Turn your Bibles with me, please, to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. <clears throat> and as you can see from our my scribblings here on the board, this is a lesson entitled A Simple Exegesis, and I'll explain that in just a moment. A Simple Exegesis. <clears throat> but Psalm 37 is our text. <clears throat> you know, our goal as elders, uh, which should be true of any elder in any church, is to teach you the Word of God, but also to encourage you to be students of the word and not to rely on us alone for your spiritual instruction and your growth in grace. And above all, though, of course, our goal is and should be to point you to a closer relationship with our triune God and a greater love, a submission to, and a dependence upon him. And that's kind of what this psalm is going to represent to us. And as you may know, when preaching the word of God, uh, there are different methods to be used by preachers, although their variations, the two primary ways of preaching is topical or exegetical. Topical is self-explanatory. Exegetical can be defined uh, in a technical way of to explain, to interpret, or to illustrate a text of scripture for understanding and application to our lives. Okay, that's kind of a general uh, description of what exegetical means. <clears throat> Exegesis forces you to look carefully at a passage of scripture, observing patterns of thought, uh, considering the context, recognizing doctrines or principles that are set forth in the text. So that's the idea there. Paul exhorts Timothy, and by extension us, in 2 Timothy 2.15, to be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In the Greek, the words rightly dividing is actually a compound word. It's called it's orthotomio, which means to dissect or expound correctly. In this case, divine truth. So this evening, I would like us to take part in a little exercise in exegeting Psalm 37. That's what all this is about, and I'll explain it. It's an acrostic psalm, and it can be classified as wisdom, uh, as wisdom meditation. Spurgeon made these comments in his introduction to his study of this psalm. He said, it is a psalm in which the Lord hushes most sweetly the two common repinings of his people and calms their minds as he, his present dealings with his own chosen flocks and the wolves by whom they are surrounded. It contains eight great precepts, is twice illustrated by autobiographical statements, and abounds in remarkable contrast. His last comment could lead us to a separate study in itself uh, as to the future of God's people compared to that of the wicked, but I'll leave that to you uh, to look up and study a little further at your leisure, okay? So it's a challenge for you to read that, looking for the contrast between the blessings on the righteous and the judgment that comes on the wicked. And that's a, a big part of this psalm, but we won't get into that tonight. I'm going to slowly read the psalm for you, and I want you to follow along and try to note all the verses that use one of the four prepositional phrases listed on the board. And here they are. The prepositional phrases are by the Lord, in the Lord, to the Lord, and on the Lord. Okay? I want you to look for those. That's what we're going to see. And along with those prepositional phrases... <clears throat> They're going to point us to dependence upon God and then to what word, in most cases a verb, in the list below them, precedes that phrase. So you're going to find this phrase preceded by trust, delight, commit, rest, wait, steps, and salvation. Okay, So you'll find a phrase by the Lord, in the Lord, to the Lord, on the Lord with one of these words in front of them. So I want you to look for those Okay, as we go through it. Look for them, keep an eye out for them, and we'll talk about them a little bit when we're done. But... That's the goal as we go through this. When we're done with that, we're going to go back briefly 
uh, and look at how often the words that are on this right-hand list occur. And we'll see why it's important that so oftentimes words are repeated by the Holy Spirit to kind of get that thought into our mind. So words do not fret, trust, wait, he shall, and cut off. Okay, these are going to be repeated words. So you don't have to look for those initially. If you haven't seen them, fine. But first thing we want you to look for is this column here on the left and the prepositional phrases that follow them. Okay? <clears throat> so there's no grade here. Okay? You're not getting graded. No exercises. Uh, no participation trophies. Okay? We're looking in the Word of God, and I want you to focus on that. I want you to see the beauty of God's Word and the depth of God's Word and the comfort and encouragement of God's Word as we look at this particular one. Okay? And when we're done, we'll hopefully draw some conclusions about the theme or principle being taught by David in this psalm. So let's begin. I'll read it slowly. You follow along. And I'll maybe pause every now and then to kind of give you a sense to look at the depth of the passage. Okay? Psalm 37, beginning at verse 1. This is a psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers. I'm reading from the New King James, by the way, just so you want to know that. Do not fret because of evildoers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Okay, so far you should have noticed a couple of things in there. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers should be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth, and yet for a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent the bow to cast down the poor and the needy to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. We'll pause. The steps of the Lord of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice. He does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. 
The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Okay, hope that's been a blessing in just reading it. And now we want to look at all these different prepositional phrases, as you can see. And I hope you've noticed them. Uh, Besides the overall theme of the contrast between the future of the righteous compared with that of the wicked, what do all these prepositional phrases point us to? Give me some hints here. What do they point us to? Don't let everybody talk at once. <laughs> Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah. All about the Lord. Okay, that's what it's all about here. It's all about the Lord and what? Our total dependence upon him and his total care for us. Look at all he's doing. And what, he's, what we're trusting in, we're trusting in him, we're delighting in him, we're committing ourselves to him, we're resting in him, we're waiting upon him. He's directing our steps, and he is the God of our salvation. <clears throat> Those are things that should encourage us. As we read the psalm, we should be lifted up, and we think of all these things that we have in a relationship with God. We, we trust him, and we depend upon him. We're comforted by him. We're encouraged by him. We're overwatched by him. He's watching out for us. He's caring for us all the time. So this is a sense of a total care. It's not a, the idea here is it's not a complete dependence upon our God for all things, or is it not a complete dependence of our God on all things at all times, right? At all times we're dependent upon him, not just particular times, not just when we're sick, not just when we're facing a crisis, but in all circumstances we're dependent upon him. And the repetition of some of these words should emphasize the importance of their use and their meaning. Okay, and that's what we're looking for. I don't know if you've seen, if you had a chance to look through it, but for instance, I think you'll find, if you look carefully, that do not fret is in here at least three times. Same with trust and wait. He shall. That's speaking of God. He shall do something for us. I think that's in there at least four times and cut off probably about two or three, but you can look that up and see for yourself if you'd like as we go back through it. The important is, importance is to see the overall picture and then the little blessings that come through it. The fact that God is not just occasionally caring for us, that he doesn't just do one thing for us. No, he says, he shall, you look at four, three or four different verses, he shall do this for you. He shall bless you. He shall protect you. He'll deliver you out of the hands of the wicked. He's constantly doing things for us. And that leads us to these prepositional phrases that say, we're, we're, we're trusting in him. We're depending on him. We're leaning upon him. He is our hope of salvation. <clears throat> so I would encourage you, as you look at a portion of scripture like this one, to look for consistent themes, or consistent thoughts. Look for repeated words. And if those words are repeated, the Holy Spirit doesn't 
put any word in there idly or just because he's filling in spaces. He uses it particularly because he is inspiring the author to write those words to speak to us. And so we need to look at those words and go back over them and say, well, why are these things repeated? Or what is the emphasis of those repetitions? In this psalm in particular, when we think of the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, we don't need to fret if righteous seem to be prospering. You know, if we see rich men or wicked men prospering in the land, what's their ultimate end? Destruction. They will be cut off from the Lord, okay, ultimately. So we don't worry about them. We don't get anxious about them. Do not fret. They're going to be cut off. We trust, we wait, and he shall fulfill his will in us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. Ultimately, he shall lead us to glory, which is far better than what the wicked will face. So that's the kind of analysis you can make of a portion of scripture by just taking the time to look for repetitive themes, words that speak of our relationship to God and how much we trust in him, how much we depend upon him, how much he blesses us. You know, the world says, trust in your gut instincts, trust in yourself, depend upon your own thoughts. In everything you do, give credit to your own intelligence and that will get you where you want to go, right? That's kind of the attitude of the world, dependent upon yourself. But in the scripture, what does the scripture say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He will direct your steps, okay? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Put him before you and your own intelligence. Trust him with your whole heart. The world says, fear no one. Do your own thing, for this is the way to true happiness for mankind, if we just do our own thing. The word of God says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. See the contrast? We are to fear God and keep his commandments. We are to trust him. We are to depend upon him. We are to look for him. Look again in our text and see the principles set forth for believers. Trust God. Delight in God. Commit yourself to God. Rest in God. Wait for God. Let him order your steps and trust in him alone for your eternal salvation. When you do that, you'll have no need to fret about anything or worry about anything. So I trust that will help you in this future, your future study of God's word as well as help you to listen well when the word of God is preached or taught here at ARBC. Just a challenge to you again. Our responsibility as elders is to teach you the word of God, to challenge you. We challenge you to study to show yourself approved. Use something like this to look for in portions of scripture, those repetitive themes, those reminders of, by God, the Holy Spirit, of how we are to depend upon him and look to him to trust in the Lord, to wait upon the Lord, to commit our ways to the Lord. All those things are what we should be thinking of on a constant basis that lifts us up out of the quagmire of today's society and the morals that are being forced upon us. Okay? Hope that's a blessing to you.